0: And he said it. They're it, it is not florid. It's, it's the name of Florin.
1: No, 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 no. That is what happened in the transcript. Uh, it is clear that Florin and Flori is Florit.
0: Welcome to Spion Podden. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Spionpodden. My name is Mikael Hylin. Today we continue with the series on the Swedish intelligence officer, Michael Rawlinson's strange fate and mysterious death. Today's distinguished guest is, as announced in our last episode, the prosecutor and head of financial crimes at EULEX in Kosovo, Maria Bamier, welcome. Thank you. The person we have heard so much about in earlier episodes. You are the prosecutor who initiated this whole affair, which in international media was called, um, among other things, a scandal. And in short, while working with the prosecution in a local Kosovo case and performing telephone surveillance, so-called intercepts, Ms. Bamier realized that in these calls the criminals were referring to a chief judge and a chief prosecutor within the mission itself, EULEX. So, in other words, evidence of corruption, alleged corruption. So please tell me a little bit uh, about yourself. Who are you?
1: I am a British prosecutor, who went to work for the UN and then worked for ULEX in Kosovo. I was dealing with many high-profile cases, successfully, and um, I came across things that caused a lot of trouble for me, but um, that's where I'm at at the moment.
0: Yeah, you, you, you have been caught in a lot of trouble, um, I see. Let, let's let's try and start, because we, we've done a couple of episodes in Swedish, but I, I'm sure there will be some new listeners and uh, new, new people with the, with the English version. So please just tell us a little bit about, quite quickly, about what was EULEX and what was your mission there at, at EULEX in Kosovo?
1: EULEX um, took over the rule of law... Uh, aspect uh, from the UN and was a justice mission um, to assist, basically, the Kosovans um, in their quest for integration into the European Union. And we had two functions at that time. One was an executive uh, function. And the other was MMR, which is um, mentoring local prosecutors and just judges and assisting them to develop uh, systems to the best European standards. And we had a special prosecution office, which was partly local prosecutors and partly international prosecutors dealing with uh, some of the most difficult high-profile cases in Kosovo. At the time, um, we were not integrated into the Kosovo system, but later on, just before I left, we then became integrated into the Kosovan system and were effectively Kosovo prosecutors um, within that system.
0: So you were, you were working in Kosovo um, the nation.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay. You were working uh, with some very high profile cases. Something happened and, and you came over some some uh, interceptions. What 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 can you tell us about that?
1: Right. Uh, initially in 2008 I worked on the Clinton bombing case which involved three suspects.
0: Can you just explain a little bit about what what was that, the Clinton bombing case? It sounds very dramatic.
1: Yeah, the Clinton bombing case involved a number of police officers who felt that the um, justice system was not working efficiently and decided to become vigilantes and take the law into their own hands. There was a, a long-standing dispute with an organised gang criminal and it involved uh, a young lady who um, left the gang criminal and started dating a police officer who was later killed. So these officers wanted to take the Lord to their own hands and take revenge on this man, which they did. They placed a bomb underneath his restaurant and which caused two deaths and a lot of life-changing injuries to about 11 people and hundreds of people who had minor injuries, so it was quite a significant case. Two were convicted, one was acquitted, and in that case, there was, in the Kosovo media, some mentioned that bribes had been paid, which I completely ignored at the time because... I didn't believe it, and sometimes uh, in Kosovo, rumour uh, tends to uh, become fact. Yeah. Uh, I then moved on after that case to the Tolai case.
0: Tolai, yeah, and 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 the, and the and the Clinton case was called. Clinton, because it was, the, it was the street was called Clinton or something like that. That's right. Yeah, okay.
1: Now, this was a corruption case. Tolai was the permanent secretary of the Ministry of Health, and I was investigating him for procurement fraud and um, other instances of corruption, including um, the giving and taking of bribes for contracts. And we were intercepting Mr. Tolai and nothing came of him. Then I got information from the prison that Mr. Tolai had his own personal phone and all the luxuries being given to him, his own bed and TV in his cell. And this informant gave me his telephone number in the prison. And once we started intercepting that telephone we got the details of all his contacts and we were intercepting them as well. Yeah. In the course of these interceptions once more it was clear that the intermediaries were acting for tolai and making contact with the judge Floret. Yeah. And these telephone calls which were recorded. They start very gently, I like, see what he can do for us, and if he can absolutely guarantee my release, words to that effect. And uh, they carried on for a while, and it, it became clear to me that there was some substance in these intercepts because what they said was happening on the phone like, for example, one Sunday I got a phone call from Yaroslava Novotna uh, asking me a lot of questions about the Tolaikwa case.
0: Okay, and who was she for the audience? She
1: was the chief ULEX prosecutor uh, and was more in a management role rather than my direct line manager
0: as such. Okay, so she was working for EULEX uh, and EU. Yeah, she was a EULEX,
1: chief EULEX prosecutor.
0: In in order to to get uh, Kosovo on their feet with their legal system and she was one of those persons working for the EULEX. Okay, good.
1: Now, when I went to work on Monday, the intercepts from Sunday showed that they had met with her And she had gone out of the restaurant to call that cow, obviously, meaning me. And so that was not a coincidence because it actually happened. Uh, Then uh, there were intercepts where they knew that Yaroslava was meeting me to take me off the case, etc., etc. But what was significant was there was an intercept which said that Judge was couldn't get involved at this stage because it was in the investigation stage, but he would speak to my um, senior, which was Yaroslava Novotna. So all this started happening, all these intercepts of her telephoning me and interfering in my investigation came after that alleged conversation.
0: Okay, well, I, I can I just interrupt you for a moment because I have a lot of um, well, a lot of I have a few few transcripts fo- of the of the intercepts, and there's a, a a person, a woman called the Czech lady, as well as the cow. Uh, I, I I've seen I've seen the, the the formulation. The Czech
1: lady throughout is a reference to Yaroslava Novotna. Following that, I had suddenly, which I'd never had before was the Chief ULEX Prosecutor, namely Yaroslava Novotna, a.k.a. the Czech Lady, mm-hmm. starting to write to me about the Toli investigation and claim there was no evidence and uh, interfering, basically, in my investigation. Uh, and my legal officer, uh, a British legal officer, wrote back to her in no uncertain terms and told her this was uh, political interference in the case because usually it's your line manager who deals with specific management of a case. She was supposed to be managing the region and um, not getting involved in the nitty-gritty day-to-day details. I'm not saying that she was not entitled to, she was but there is a difference between managing and interfering politically in an investigation. But the intercepts got much more concerning as they developed uh, confidence. It was clear that the intermediaries were meeting with Mr. Floret, and it was clear, although they didn't specifically mention sums of money, they uh, kept asking, well, if he can do this, if he can absolutely uh, guarantee it, find out what he wants in return. Although they don't mention specific sums, it is clear what they're getting at. My line manager was a d- lady from Denmark, Cine to and I told her about this and she said, you have to report this because Um, I was in a quandary. I I didn't know what to do with this information. And she said, you have to report it. And she helped me and she organized a meeting with the um, then head of justice, who was uh, a man called Silvio Bonfigli. We had a meeting. What I was shocked was that she was at the meeting and I had to confront her face to face with my intercepts.
0: And with she, Ms. Pamier is referring to no one other than Chief Geolex Prosecutor herself, Jaroslava Novotna.
1: Uh, she denied it. And what I would have expected any self-respecting mission to do in face of the evidence that I'd given to Mr. Bonfigli, I, I would have expected him. She said she kept my reports in her safe. Well, I'd given her a report, and within six hours of me giving her that report, it was being read over on the intercepts to the intermediaries and Mr. Tolai's wife. And uh, I asked her, how did they get hold of this? And she says, they could have got hold of it from anywhere. But she said she'd kept all my stuff in her safe. And I would have expected the Department of Justice head, Mr. Bonfigli, at that point to go to her office to check the safe and to check her diary. That was not done. He just told me to confirm certain details uh, and send them to him. And he would look into this. And I carried on with my work. I had to indict Mr. Tolai. I didn't know how to deal with this. uh, And I had to disclose all the intercepts to Mr. Tolai. And I had to deal with uh, the issues regarding Francesco Floret because at that time I thought there was an ongoing investigation. Yes. He came to my office and said... uh, that uh, he'd met with this guy, but he'd thrown him out of the office uh, and um, he was not involved in taking bribes and then before he was leaving, he just kind of off the cuff remarked about two issues, one he'd been accused of taking bribes and he just happened to have 300,000 in his account at the time unconnected with any bribes, of course, is what he claimed. And he was worried about those allegations at the time. And he also mentioned, at the same time, something about being seen uh, driving a car from a suspect in a case. Yeah. I had to include this in the indictment to explain uh, what his role was... And I didn't want to go into what I thought was being investigated, and Cine assisted me in that. In any event,
0: well, I have uh, spoken to—I um, had had an interview with with uh, Mr. Florit. He talks a lot about this with Mr. Edjup, who was an intermediate between him and Tolai. Uh, and, yeah. and he, he, uh, he admits that he met with him a couple of times and that he threw him out. And that he came uh, to you with a report and said, Listen, you can do whatever. And he knew that Mr. Egypt was wired. So he, he, he came with a report to you and said, You can do whatever. No. You can, no. You, you, that me, is let, not let, correct. Okay, well, let me. So this is what he said. And, and then he, he left the, um, the office with the report and said, You can do whatever you want with it.
1: Yeah, number one, there were a number of meetings with this Ayoub on Mr. Floret's admission. One was in relation to the Lemai case, and then Mr. Ayoub then started discussing the Tolai case and he allegedly threw him out. Yeah. But he never came to me with the report. I found out about those meetings from the intercepts and called him into my office to explain himself. He then went back to his office and wrote the report and then brought it back to me. Now, I would expect any self-respecting judge who is approached in this manner by anyone, not least the president, of all the judges in uh, ULEX, to have made an immediate report that he had been approached. I called him at least a month or more after he had met with Mr. A- uh, Ayup Kamberi. And up to that point, he had never disclosed this meeting. He should have disclosed it immediately. And if he had been approached, the first time with Fatnia lemai why did he continue to meet with this man? It doesn't make sense. So it's not that he came and immediately reported, he did not. He only reported when he was found out.
0: Okay, yeah. Um, can, can, let's, let's move on a little bit, because I, okay. I, I really would like to... Um, okay, it, 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 I can so tell
1: you what happened. Yes, please. My report got lost. Yes, mission managers changed I was being attacked by Yaroslava and then I had to interview for my own job now considering that I had made a, a serious whistleblowing report against her it was unacceptable that she should be on my panel and during the interview she asked me specifically about the Tolai case. And what she was trying to say is that that was mere management. And I said, there is a difference between mere management and political interference in my answer. And she did that several times, going back over the same thing. And Judge Elker also said to her, well, let's stop here. Uh, she's answered your question. I had an independent observer from our staff committee at that interview. And um, despite my experience and all the successful cases I had, she marked me at the bottom of the list because she knew that if she did that, the British were cutting back as well and they would send me home meanwhile, they decided, they looked for my report and um, there was no trace of it within the mission, but what they did find were copies of the interceptions which I had given to Andy Sparks in his safe, which revealed that I had made a report. So Bernd Borchardt made inquiries and I don't know what happens in the senior levels between them and Brussels, but the next thing I knew is that they were appointing an independent investigator, Heike Wendorf, to look into uh, Francesco Floret's activities and he appointed Mike Rawlinson to assist Heike Uh, with Intel and with evidence and a team of investigators were also appointed to the uh, team to work with uh, Mike Rawlinson and with um, Heike.
0: And that was the the ghost team?
1: And that was the ghost team. Okay. And in the course of all of that, uh, I met with Mike Rawlinson many, many times. Uh, He was fit, healthy, dedicated to his job, very professional. And I gave him all the CDs and from recollection, I think I gave him more than 20 CDs. Meanwhile the mission changed. Um, During this time, Mr. Gaffoni, the Italian ambassador, was uh, regularly um, going to the hierarchy within ULEX and within Brussels, complaining that a number of Italians were being investigated, and he considered that um, unacceptable. And the mission heads changed, and um, Mr. Borchardt left, and Mr. Miucci came, but he came with the view of shutting down the ghost investigation. At that time, I didn't know that there were two other Italians under investigation as well. I found that out subsequently. One of the Italians under investigation was working in Mike Rawlinson's office.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't know that.
1: No, Um. I have uh, a witness Um. Who has informed me about that? The Italian was suspended, and then he was reinstated. By whom? And um,
0: by whom? Why? Who? who Miucci. Miucci. So, so, if I understood everything correct, you. Uh, came up with intercepts and re- realizing that Mrs. Novotna and a couple of others, Florid, for instance, they're talking about these people on the interceptions, uh, intercepts as they are part, you know, being corrupt and and helping Mr. Tolai.
1: Yeah, the the plan was to take me off the investigation and give it to another prosecutor who would then dismiss it.
0: Yeah, and you report this which you are supposed to do. But what happens is that there's no investigation on these people that actually are on the intercepts, but you get uh, suspected of, of a traffic or a parking offense. I know,
1: it's ridiculous. It's so bizarre. I couldn't even make up what happened to me in you, Lex. If I was going to sit and think of a, a, a story to make up, you couldn't make it up.
0: Yeah, but, but what I really am c- curious about is that there is intercepts and you, you have it on document, you documented and, them, and it's been transcripts on, of them. And these people are being named as the Czech and the fat lady or the boss and, and the, the Italian and all these yeah. things. And no yeah. one is investigating it.
1: No, nope. it's truly shocking. Instead of investigating it, I am left at the mercy of the people I had complained were involved and they were now affecting my future within the mission
0: let me tell you something um because mr florit says that he's read these secret intercepts and these documents and he said it they're false it it is not florit it's it's the name of florin that's being mentioned
1: no. no 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 that is what happened in the transcript uh it is clear that florin and florry they use different terms, is Floret. But can I say something before yes. you move on? Yes, please. How did Francesco Floret get hold of and read my intercepts?
0: Well, he does have an explanation to that. And uh, he admits, because I ask him, how did you know that it was the name Flori and not Florin, Florin and not Florid? Because I had the intercepts. And I asked him, how did you get them? And he said, well, they were sent to me. Uh, so I asked him.
1: Yeah, right. Mm-hmm.
0: And I asked him, what do you think about the just the, the judicial system when something like this happens?
1: Really? Okay. Yeah, carry on. Sorry.
0: Um, well, you can listen to the interview yourself. Um, oh, um, I'm um, looking forward yeah, to listening yeah, to but, it. But if we, if we just kind of should finish what happened to you, is, is you were interviewed by the, the very people that you were accusing of They were not accusing, but alerting the the EU that something is happening here. And the same people uh, interviewed you. And of course... But it
1: was even worse than that because for the second interview, they had Andrew Hughes, who had investigated me for the parking offence yeah, and found me guilty. He worked with uh, Yaroslava Novotna. You had Danilo Cacciarelli, who was basically at the same level as me, but had been told that he would get my position when I left. And they called in Alexis Hoopin from Brussels to, to chair that interview. That had never happened before. And it was quite obvious to me that that panel had been specifically set up to deal with me.
0: So the the politicians are interfering the EU politicians are interfering in in legal matters which is
1: absolutely
0: quite shocking.
1: Yeah, and wrong.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned you were you're they you were the, you're a, you a strong woman but they did call you mad and
1: yeah, menopausal. Menopausal. Yeah, they did call me mad and menopausal because uh what they expected me to do went to a very low level you know they didn't attack me on the facts they have never answered my allegations and i was horrified by all of this because as far as i could see i was just doing the right thing and i was being punished for doing the right thing not only did i complain by because of what i'd seen was wrong but then i complained because of being mobbed and if complaining about being mobbed is seen as somehow um, somebody who does not toe the party line I think that's appalling but that's what the way they saw it they saw me as someone who uh, would accept everything that was thrown at me without complaining.
0: It's quite interesting though because there's a resolution 1729 which is called the protection of whistleblowers because you were obviously a whistleblower, but there it says that it's kind of, well, the way I read it, it's almost against the law not to report.
1: Well, precisely, absolutely, but the only thing is the EU. Uh, being the institution that it is that expects everybody to do what is said irrespective of whether it's wrong or right has never adopted and made that into a directive applicable to all member states. Okay. It had never been converted into a directive. Hmm.
0: Okay, well, let, let's move to, to Michael Rawlingson. You, you said you, you worked with him, and uh, Mr. Mucci comes into the picture, uh, and yet another Italian. Uh, and he, yeah. he, uh, was, his mission was, according to you, and to well, also what Mats Matson says, that it was to stop the witch hunt of Italians. Yeah. Uh, which obviously, and, and which I can read, there is documented uh, reasons for um, for anyone to to uh, investigate this. And so, what yeah. what happens when Mr. Mucci arrives, and Bouchard leaves?
1: Well, well Mr. Mucci basically um, got rid of me. He got rid of or oh, Yarmol who was the head of legal. Um, who was on my side, well, not on my side, but was also trying to do the right thing. And um, then, uh, first of all, I went, and uh, he decides that he is going to shut down these investigations, and he goes into the offices... And as a raid, well, what they did was they basically fooled uh, Malcolm Simmons. Well, not fooled him that they didn't give him the full facts into signing a warrant to enable them to go in and search Mike Rawlinson's office. And they went also into Heike's office as well. They told all the staff to stand there not to touch anything when they removed all the papers from Heike's office. But when they went into Mike's office, I understand from people who were there and from uh, potential witnesses that um, they broke into Mike Rawlinson's safe. They couldn't open it, so they got someone from outside to come and burn it open and the whole purpose of this exercise was to get hold of the TOLI intercepts. They in fact had to come back again because they had forgotten and that's why they f- my uh, witness feels that the Italian working in there was passing information because there was another safe in which two more cds of intercepts were and there was a specific computer that was used for the ghost case and after the first raid they came back and then took the computer and the cds from the second safe but i I don't think the second safe was actually in mike's office
0: okay and, and and this is the the action The operation that Meucci has ordered or given the authority to Mr. Danilo Ceccarelli. And
1: Danilo came with the carabinieri uh, to execute these searches.
0: Italian carabinieri?
1: Italian carabinieri. In Kosovo? Yeah, we had the Italian... We had police officers from all the member states. We had British police officers. We had um, Polish... uh, greek um, there were many nationalities who um, member states who send police officers to the mission
0: but what i really don't understand and of course i'm not qualified to judge but what is it about italians that make them so much better more qualified than other eu nationalities to have these top positions when investigating corruption on italians i mean apart from the czech lady EULEX got rid of the Swedes, the British, the German, and the Finnish, not to mention all the Kosovan personnel. And when they get rid of you, British, the, the Italian prosecutor, Danilo Cecarelli, who later illegally and without security clearance breaks into uh, Rollinson's safe, stealing and reading, I'm sure, a lot of classified documents from NATO, K4, Europol, and Interpol. But um, he... Then sits on the panel to get rid of you, the whistleblower, and when you're gone, he himself climbs the ladder some and takes over your position as Eulex head of financial crimes. It's a bit uh, interesting, strange.
1: Well, I find no. I find it very strange myself.
0: Yeah, and. Uh, Michael Rawlinson. When Muci arrives at the at the mission, he becomes head of mission. He starts to uh, get rid of people who are doing the the ghost team and who are doing the investigation of Mr. Floriet and uh, Novotna. But Novotna doesn't have a really uh, in suspect uh, for some reason. Why is no, that? No,
1: she wasn't, and I was very disappointed. Uh, because initially Ben Borchard only authorised the investigation in relation to Floret. Okay. But when Heiki came he I understand this, although I have um only like hearsay reports about this, that Heike wanted to extend the investigation to include Yaroslava Novotna and have her immunity lifted. That was just before he was um, dismissed.
0: Okay, and what happens? Benucci arrives and he starts to get rid of everyone. He gets rid of he- Heike Wendorf and you and... Uh, Mats. Mats and uh, Michael Rawlinson is put in in custody, uh, in house arrest. What, what, what happens?
1: I didn't know he'd been put under house arrest. Um, I know that I had no protection whatsoever for about two, two and a half years. But as soon as they suspend me, suddenly I need close protection. And I knew, and the poor guy who was executing the close protection knew this as well, uh, that it was just a, a, a means by which they could monitor my movements.
0: Let me go back to Michael Rawlingson. He, he he was uh, put in house arrest uh, for quite some time from what I've heard and he's unable unable to do anything about his work. And the same day that he his house arrest is terminated, he finds that he has a a, a small little wound on above his knee. What what do you know about that?
1: I thought he had the wound on his face as well. Uh, they said that he had got a water-borne streptococcal infection. Now, I knew Mike and I knew that he was a strong, fit, healthy guy. What I found strange is because he was living near a a place called Minimax and they say he picked up this streptococcal infection there, but nobody else in his apartment uh, caught the same infection and I actually lived there near there myself and I knew most of the people in the neighborhood and nobody else in the neighborhood caught this streptococcal infection. Then he recovered from that, I understand, and went back to work. But shortly before they raided his office, he caught a more severe uh, attack of this infection. Okay allegedly from swimming in macedonia i think and i find i found it very very strange that only he got this streptococcal infection because it was allegedly a waterborne infection and a waterborne infection hello
0: yes i'm i'm, I'm listening
1: would affect more than one person in the vicinity and to be quite honest with you I was highly suspicious of uh, this um, infection that he'd got. Why? Uh, Why? So Why? Well, it was strange to me that he's the only one who gets it and nobody else in the area caught it.
0: But what would Michael Rawlinson have done? Or what was his, his mission or what was his, his position that you would suspect some foul play?
1: I, uh, look at the way he was treated, look at the hostility that was shown to him, that they had to go to the length of breaking open his safe. Look, I'm not making any accusations because I know that streptococcal infections can be deadly, but the fact that he was the only person to get it, I find that strange. But,
0: but what it's i'm trying to accident. get what, what i'm trying to get at is tell the audience what was he working on what how why was he started to get Michael treated Robinson
1: bad Johnson had one of the most important positions in uh, european intelligence he was head of intelligence not just for ulex but he also dealt with nato intelligence and k4 he also used to feed out to the European intelligence agencies uh, in his own country and in Europe. So he had access to highly sensitive information. And to me, it is odd that in all of Kosovo, in that region where he was supposed to have caught this waterborne infection. Nobody else caught it. So, obviously, uh, one thinks of Novichok or whether he was fed this waterborne infection uh, and thinks the worst. But really, um, you can't say things like that unless you have a proper autopsy and get the evidence to show what really happened. But it is strange.
0: An, an autopsy which was refused by The Italian doctor in Sweden.
1: Very odd. Very odd.
0: Even though his widow wanted the the autopsy. It was refused.
1: There should be an autopsy. Even if it means exhumation and doing it. It is wrong. It is wrong that there was no autopsy performed. And the longer it's left... The less likely the evidence is going to be available.
0: So, in other words, what you're saying is that one of Europe's most important intelligence officers uh, dies in a in, in an odd way, um, and yeah. and uh, and he's he is very much investigating. We're talking about hundreds and millions of of euros. He's investigating a lot of Italians. And he is treated by one, not only one Italian doctor, but one week before he dies, there is another Italian doctor who, who enters the, the, the mission in treating Michael Rollinson, And he dies suddenly and there is no autopsy. No one's ever asked. Well, the, the, the wife asked, but not the Swedish uh, government, the me. Swedish police, nor the military. No one has demanded an autopsy.
1: It brings tears to my eyes, really does, that people who were honourable, who were doing the right thing, who were merely doing their jobs, are allowed to be treated in the way he was treated and to die in that manner with no question from anybody. That I find incredibly sad and incredibly cruel. And
0: inhumane. Well, Mats Matson is is definitely saying, and and so are a few others, that this was whole whole uh, thing was a big cover up, but but uh, by the EU. Um, but if I go back to to Mike Rawlinson, you said he he was an such an important intelligence officer, and you he was working with NATO and K four. Uh, Now, who was uh, what nationality did uh, the head of NATO and K4 have at that time? Do you know?
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: If I tell you he was Italian,
1: Uh, oh, it wouldn't surprise me. Would not (laughs) surprise me.
0: (laughs) And the odd thing is that his, which is very odd in the NATO. uh, Apparently, I've heard in in NATO. History is that he was also his mission was what as head of NATO K4 it, it it was renewed and that's very unusual. You normally just have one session. Anyway, okay, well that has probably nothing to do with Mike Rawlinson, but but still Mike Rawlinson was dealing with a lot of uh, information with NATO and K4 as well. But in yeah. his safe, there was a lot of, uh, from what I've heard, a lot of. Uh, secret information and and reports that should not have been in the hands of anyone else but him
1: well this is right and uh, my witnesses when they give evidence in call will be making it abundantly clear that they were horrified that danilo cacciarelli someone who didn't have the requisite level of security clearance was allowed to go into Mike's office and have access to all these secret documents. In fact, following uh, Mike Rawlinson's uh, airlifting away and the raid on his safe, staff complained, and they wanted a meeting with the head of mission. And the head of mission didn't turn up but he sent his deputy, uh, who was French, uh, a woman called Joelle Vachter, together with Catherine Firon taking notes, who was the assistant to Mr. Mucci. And staff were concerned about the security breach. They were concerned that Danilo had taken secret NATO documents and they were told, uh, basically, uh Joel Vatch to told them the documents will be returned. Well, my understanding is not everything was returned, certainly not all the Toli tapes were were not returned.
0: But why did not anyone interfere from Michael Rawlinson's office? I mean, apparently this was done. He 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 got extremely sick. He was transported with the helicopter to Sweden in order to, just to save his life. And as he is fighting for his life, uh, Meucci orders uh, the, the breaking in of his safe. I mean, it, it sort of is kind of a
1: yeah, yeah, no coincidence. I no. would say.
0: And but yeah. why doesn't anyone do anything in the office?
1: Well. In the office, uh, the staff went to see a French officer and he basically sympathised with them. He thought what had happened was completely wrong. But he, a report was written by one staff member and he told her, withdraw this report if you want to stay in the mission. And he emphasized to her that she would be on the next plane home if that report was sent. So and he was giving her friendly advice. He wasn't um in any way involved with approving of Miuchi's ac- actions. Then every member of staff had to sign um a gagging clause saying that they would not speak to anybody about events that occurred within the mission and everybody was terrified. They were all terrified. And quite honestly, it shouldn't have been the staff that were complaining. It should have been the member states and it should have been people overseeing what... ULEX mission was doing. The trouble is the EASS and Kendi office were 100% implicated in everything that happened in that mission.
0: And that was straight under uh, Frederica Mogherini, the italian...
1: Oh gosh, yes.
0: And it was from, it was the, that that uh, uh, department that leaked the documents to Mr. Florit.
1: yes. And in fact, the EU Ombudsman was going to have an independent investigation. But Mogherini came along to the European Parliament and begged and pleaded of everybody to give her a chance. She was new to the position, allegedly, and she wanted to do her own investigation, which the European Parliament's come to, allowed it, and hence the we have the Jacques report, which is a complete and total cover-up. And it doesn't even make sense. The,
0: what was it he called, said, the Jack Jack. Jacques' report.
1: Jacques' report. Jacques' report. Jean-Paul Jacques, okay. his name was. He was a professor.
0: Oh, okay, that it, professor. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. Three senior members of the mission all got my report and the intercepts. And strangely enough, three people make the same administrative error. Now, what are the chances of that?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But we're talking about a criminal investigation. I mean, you're sending crim- criminal reports and it's a an Im- criminal investigation. What is Mogadini and Kendin, the, the European politicians, what are they doing in, in the police investigation in Kosovo?
1: I suppose they were just politicians. They didn't know quite how bad the ins and outs of what was happening in Kosovo was and they decided to give Mrs Mogherini a chance and unfortunately and naively they trusted her to provide a truly independent report because that is what she promised them mm-hmm. but that is not what she delivered because I know that Ken Dean's office was heavily involved in the Jax report. In fact, normally in criminal proceedings or in any proceedings, the person who makes the allegation makes the allegation and then the allegation is investigated and witnesses for and against the allegation come forward. So the A ledger goes first. Mm -hmm. With Jack's report, he interviewed, I don't know who he interviewed, but he interviewed everybody and came to me right at the end. So he really wasn't investigating my allegations at all. He was investigating me.
0: The question is ultimately not whether Judge Francesco Florit is guilty or, or Novotna is guilty, in my mind, but yeah. why why has the EU carried out? It, it seems to be a cover-up because in order for the judicial system to work, Francesco Florit was a suspect, and that these suspicions should have been investigated. I mean, no matter what, without the influence of politicians like uh, Miucci or the head of missions,
1: absolutely.
0: Then I don't really understand either. Why did they leak the documents, your report, to him, to the suspect itself, if they didn't think he was guilty?
1: I have no idea. I don't know. I'd like to know who the seven-headed monster in the (laughs) EASS is, the one who's been leaking information, because they make a great show about leaks of information in Kosovo, but there's been no investigation whatsoever into Novotna leaking my ruling of initiation of investigation and there has been no investigation whatsoever as to who in the EASS was sending confidential information to Mr Florit and i would like that i would like that investigated independently not by any head of the EASS by the member states I think the member states have a duty now to um send representatives from their respective countries to investigate what happened what truly happened.
0: Yeah let's let, let me just finish by by just asking you one final question and and can you in your own in your own words, uh, tell us t- tell us a little bit about Ghost Team and Mike Rollinson b- before we finish this, uh, so the the audience gets a good picture of. Because from what I've I've heard from uh, the, uh, the other side, Mucci and all that, they're they're saying that you you were a cow, Michael Rawlingson was terrible. We get very different pictures from which side uh, of the coin that we're li- listening to. But I really really would like to hear your your point of view.
1: Uh, Mike uh, was working closely with um, Heike on the ghost case. They had some very good local prosecutors and um, local police officers on the investigation team and uh, were progressing the investigation uh, for the first time uh since i'd complained in 2012 they'd taken my statement and i knew they were investigating uh and taking statements from other relevant parties yeah and i knew uh that um they that Heike, uh was asking for immunity to be lifted on um Florit and on Yaroslava Novotna. He wanted to extend the investigation to include her. And I also have seen a document where Ken Dean considered that Heike was out of control and had to go. His exact words were he's out of control. So um I think he was trying very hard to do again the right thing and do his job properly, effectively and professionally Um, and had his hands chopped off by Mr. Miocci and Ken And
0: so did uh, Michael Michael Rawlinson.
1: And so did Michael Rawlinson.
0: Okay, well, well, uh, I don't know how to thank you, uh, Maria Bamier. but um, is I there,
1: should thank you. <laughs> is there, really. Fine. Is there anything
0: else you want to say before before we finish off this this first interview? It might, I, I think, it's going to be two episodes actually because it's it's such an amazing and and long uh, interview. Uh, but is there anything I, I you want to? I
1: really c- want to thank you because if it isn't for people like you and Niels this story would be forgotten, dead and buried, because that's precisely what they want to happen. That's what they want. And you're keeping the story alive, it's just so important. And the fact that someone died, and I can't say it's a result of their actions, but I can say, while they took these inhumane actions, that they had no right whatsoever to take, it makes it even more important that you guys uh, carry on and achieve justice where myself and Mike and Heike have not been able to do so.
0: Yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of sad to see how, how the people that were accused, almost all of them, Ceccarelli and Mucci and uh Florit and Novotna they're all climbing the ladder uh while oh the,
1: my God, yes.
0: While the whistleblowers uh have you know a lot of people have had their their careers ruined uh, at least for some some time but but or put on hold. Um yeah. Yeah. it's it's quite
1: and the sad thing is that they just do these things and They're just allowed to get away with it. How Mr. Cacciarelli ends up in such a high position, it's just amazing.
0: Well, Ceccarelli, he's um, Deputy European Chief Prosecutor. Did you know that?
1: I heard about that and I am, I have to say, shocked beyond belief because as far as I recall, he didn't have a great track record of... Uh, completing investigations, and as far as I recall, there was only one case that he won in Kosovo, whereas there were many others within our team that uh, won a lot more cases and worked a lot harder within the mission. But there you have it, sometimes people get promoted to the level of their incompetence.
0: But the, the, the Swedish, I, Swedish politician, Paul Jonsson, he, is, he actually has protested against the, this um, this Danilo cecarelli's uh, new position.
1: And I hope he's successful because it really does affect people like me, Mike, Heike. And it just leaves a message that don't do the right thing. Do whatever it takes to get... Uh, what your paymasters want and you will be rewarded and it is reward for unethical activity in cov- covering up the the florets investigation
0: yeah um can i read to you because uh, uh, when when mike rollinson died and during his uh, funeral his colleagues at uh, the office in Ulex they wrote a note saying sometimes you experience adversity not because you have done something wrong but because you have done something right and that's uh, how i think we can okay um well, I was sitting uh, editing Maria Bamier's episode in the last interview, and um, suddenly she calls. So, uh, and I didn't have my equipment on. So, um.
1: hello, good afternoon.
0: So, please tell me you, you heard the interview with, with the episode with, with Francesco Florid.
1: Yes, I did.
0: And that was the end of part one of the interview with Prosecutor Maria Bamiere head of financial crimes at EULEX in Kosovo. Part 2 will follow soon, I promise. But don't forget to visit us on Facebook spionpodden and or Instagram spion.podden where I always post extra material from each episode. But this time I can assure you there are some very interesting uh, material intercepts and uh, other very interesting things uh, regarding this whole case. My name is Mikael Hulin. Until next time, bye.